in the morning. When you want the news, you need the front page every hour on the press box. Nothing's writing on this except the uh, First Amendment, the Constitution, freedom of the press, and maybe the future of the country. Not that any of that matters. And now, the news. One other update on the Raiders coaching search. They do plan to interview D'Amico Ryans, who is the 49ers defensive coordinator for the head coaching position. Um, So that would mean there's three names we know of that are or have interviewed. Rich Bisaccia, Gerard Mayo today, and D'Amico Ryans, the 49ers defensive coordinator. Does it bother you somewhat we haven't heard of any offensive guys? If we had like five or six names... Yes, but and they're all defensive. Yeah, but because it's only three names and one of them was the interim. So it's really only two new names that are defensive guys. Okay, all right. No, not too much. Now, if we again, if we get down the line here and like they're seventh and eighth and it's all been defensive Defense, coordinators. Then yes. Then, yeah, you're probably kind of saying, eh, what direction are they going here? So did yes. you watch your team this year? <laughs> Have you any idea what you were bad at? So. Uh, yeah, but just two, no, I wouldn't get to it. Because, like, it kind of happened with the Broncos. I think, like, the Bron- the Broncos have interviewed, like, 15 people. I don't think they know what they're doing. But the first, like, five or six guys were all defensive coordinators. They've eventually come around, and they've been interviewing some offensive guys. So I also hope the Raiders don't interview 15 people. No. <laughs> like the Broncos have. That's a great, great question. Mark Stone did not travel with the Golden Knights. They play a road trip here starting tonight against Washington, Carolina, Florida, and Tampa. Oh, the gauntlet. They're going to play all four of those Uh. teams this week. It's a Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday schedule. Mark Stone is not with them. Uh, He could join later on the road trip. But Max Pacioretty and Alec Martinez did travel with the team. So while they might not play tonight... That's a good indication they're going to play at some point on this road trip. But the Golden Knights continue to be uh, not healthy. They continue to find ways to not have their full lineup. Uh, these four games, though, how many think they win? Two. Two of the four. All right. I think so. so two of the four. I think so, too. Um, it's Golden Knights are a good team, not at full strength, but... They'll probably win a couple of these. Did you get excited that Jackie Eichel has Uh-oh. switched from the red non-contact jersey to a baby blue, whatever the heck that means, jersey? I, I don't know. what Does that mean somewhat contact? You can kind of push them, but you can't board them? I mean, I, I don't know what that means. In fact, I've never even heard of a blue jersey. Have you? They've At, used it before. They have. They, they have. I was under Stay the, away from his neck. Right, exactly. I, so hit him I, in the legs, but not the neck. I love the idea of, hey, red is no contact. Baby blue is light contact. Yeah, so as you're in a drill, you have to look up, identify what color it is, and then go through your mind. Can now, I hit what, this guy or not? What or does that color mean? Yeah. Okay, I can lightly tap him. Like, right. That sounds like you're asking for trouble. I <laughs> yeah, also enjoy <laughs> that it's like, hey, what is uh, red means stop? Except to anyone on a bull rush. <laughs> I mean, people got excited. That, twi- that Twitter was blowing up when they saw that blue jersey. Next question. Sean Payton may not coach the Saints in 2022. Report from Ian Rappaport. Sources say that Payton, who has three years left on his contract, has not committed to returning to coach for another season in New Orleans. He has not yet informed the organization for whom he's coached since 2006, that he will definitely return. Return. It would be highly unlikely for Peyton to coach another team in 2022, sources say. Rather, this would be a mini-retirement to recharge for a year after 
this next Well, season. he's already had a talk with Jerry Jones, and Mike McCarthy will mess that up for another year, and then Sean Payton, <laughs> who Jerry Jones has always wanted to be the head coach, will come and coach the Dallas Cowboys. That would be funny. That'd be hilarious. Take a year off, and then you're guaranteed the Cowboy job because there's no there's no way Mike McCarthy's getting up very far. Plus, he's got that Netflix money coming in soon. Oh, my God. true. The trailer for that movie. Are we going to do a group outing? Like, we'll, we'll get no. a bunch of people together. You, Jared, we'll I don't them. watch movies, and you're thinking I'm going to go watch the Sean Payton played by Kevin James movie? <laughs> with fans. Where the the trailer ends with kids just barfing on each other? <laughs> yeah. It's based on a true story. Sean Payton, that of, happened. Of the 10 movies I've seen in my life, I'm not making that one number 11. Uh, next question. Boise State beat San Diego State 42 to 37. Uh, some fun facts from this game. San Diego State shot 28%. Boise State had more turnovers than made shots and won the game. Both teams top 10 Ken Palm defense outside the top 150 Ken Palm offense. That's about as ugly as a basketball game. It was brutal. So I did you watch it? Yes, it's brutal. I didn't watch any of it. I just like on my phone saw, oh, 42-37. It's a close game. I did not realize that was the final right. score. I thought that was like, oh, third okay. quarter. Yeah. Third, excuse me, second half, second half. Right. There's, you know, 15 minutes left in the game, right? right? Like, but no, that was the final score. Yeah. I was stunned. How, how, how did they it not score just, 40? It was absolutely brutal. They are, gosh, they're the weirdest team, San Diego State. I watched both games against Colorado State where they scored 79, I believe, and then this game, and you, you can't make those things up. And I, I don't. I don't think it's the two-week pause. I think this is who they are. They're always going to defend. It doesn't like tonight. They're going to defend UNLV. They could lose tonight. If they play offense like they did the other day, they will lose tonight because UNLV will score enough. Um, or tonight they'll go out and score 65 and win 65-58. It's, it's amazing. I don't know how you score 30 Boise's points. better than I thought, by the way. And they, they stunk. They, they, have... they went 10 minutes without scoring. But Boise... Everyone's saying Colorado State. We'll see Boise 6-0 and in conference right now. Yeah, they have rocketed up here. They are yeah. all the, Boise's all the way up to 42 overall in Ken Palm. Yeah, they're better than I thought. Yeah. I didn't I didn't think they were as good as I, I saw the other night. And ironically, I thought that after they scored 43 points. <laughs> 42 <laughs> points. So not only are they 6-0, they've played some New Mexicos and some Air Forces in there. But like they beat Fresno State by 10. Fresno State's yeah. a, it's a good team Decent in the Mountain team. West. Beating them by 10 is a good margin. Uh, they beat Nevada by 15. Nevada is okay. They've they've struggled, but they're still not terrible. Winning by 15 is good. They beat Utah State uh, only by three, but I think but, that was on the road though. Yeah, it was. So, so they've won four road games in conference play already. Right, and they've been beating a lot of these teams by a more than expected margin. So they have they've shot up there. So they're 42 in Ken Palm. They're third best in the Mountain West. San Diego State's 35 and Colorado State's 39, which is those are Ken Palms. Ken Palm rankings right now. So three top 50 teams, almost three top 40. And the fascinating part about that is that's bubble. Like when you are. Oh, you're in the 30s and low you're 40s. You're in the 30s you're in the and bubble. 40s. You're in, that, that is the bubble. Yes. Get inside the top 40 and you're usually safe. Yes. For the NCAA tournament. Like most teams inside the top 40 will make it. There'll be a few each year. Uh, but that is absolutely bubble uh, for those for those teams. And the Mountain West is most likely, I'd guess, that. Those three Two and, minimum, and maybe one other Mountain West maybe team third. kind of finishes in that thirty-five one of those, to fifty range. Th- yeah, and, one of those win the tournament. I could see the other two going right and getting three in. It's gonna be. It's gonna be. We should have some very interesting end of season games in the Mountain yeah. West that 
oh god, they lost a game to UNLV at the end and that right. sunk their NCAA tournament hopes. Man, you know, that's a great question. The Giants hired Joe Shane as their general manager. He was an assistant GM in Buffalo, and I love that as soon as he got the job, he immediately interviewed Brian Dabble, the Bills offensive coordinator, and Leslie Frazier, the Bills <laughs> defensive coordinator. He was like, hey, this team I just came We're from good. is pretty good. We're good. Let's interview these guys and see what they got. Uh, the Brian Dabble, that seems like it's too obvious, right? That he's going to hire Brian yeah. Dabble once the Bills season is over? Yeah. Like, he's... Dabble's already been mentioned before as a head coaching candidate for what he's done with Josh Allen and the Bills offense. And you hire the assistant GM. That just seems, I don't know, seems to, maybe they, or Joe Shane hates Brian Dabble for some reason, but that just seems like such an obvious answer for the Giants that they're going to have Brian Dabble as their, as their head coach. Brian's not going to have the same quarterback. No, not quite. Well, Daniel Jones has some big runs yeah. every now and then. It's true. Sneaky athleticism. Breaks off that 70-yard run, but trips on the 10-yard line when nobody's around him. I'm out. Daryl Morey says the Sixers would be oh, willing gosh. to trade Ben Simmons for a top 40 player that is the right fit. So at one point, he had said they were only going to trade him for a top 25 player. That's now slipped back to top 40 and the right fit. My favorite part about saying top 40, you can probably argue like 100 guys are top 40. What? That was my question. There's the elite of elite, and then there's just a ton of really good right. NBA players. Right. There's a there's after you get outside the top twenty or whatever. There's twenty one to a hundred are kind of the same guy. There's in not a, lot a big of ways. difference. It's no. hey, how good of a fit are you in right. on your team? Is really at the end of the day going to de determine that. So like saying a top forty player, you can talk yourself into sixty guys. Yeah, being a top forty player that aren't in the top twenty. So. I don't know what the Sixers are doing. I assume they're not going to trade him because if you sit on him for this long and then trade him for... I don't know if they trade him in the season or they just wait. Yeah. Because there was one report about James Harden, but that would have to be offseason. Yeah. They're not, they're not moving him. Yeah. They got funny. a chance to win it. That would be funny. So, be who knows what the Sixers are doing? They're just letting Joel Embiid be awesome without any good players around him. I just enjoy that this was, hey, all right, the NBA season is coming up and Ben Simmons is unhappy. Hey, we're half pretty much uh, we're almost to the halfway point. No one knows what the hell is going on with Ben Simmons. <laughs> That's crafty wording right there. Oh, no, our guy. All right, we didn't get to this last week, but it's a very important story. Major League Baseball is implementing robot umps at the AAA level this year. Get excited. Yeah. Las Vegas Aviators, it. robot umps. So that's more work for poor Jim Gemma. He does enough out there. That kid runs the show. You want this kid out there like he running buttons? the strike zone too? Poor Russ Langer <laughs> doing the play-by-play, -play, running the strike zone. Come on. These guys do enough. So we had robot umps in the Atlantic League, which is a low division of minor league baseball that's got, I think, a loose affiliation with major league baseball. The Atlantic League is not using robot umps anymore. The Atlantic League is going back to normal umpires. But we're now seeing it in AAA. So... Let me ask you this. Because it's in AAA, which is, you know, the second highest form of baseball in this country, do you take that to mean Major League Baseball is serious about this being real in the no, near future? I don't. I don't. I don't. I don't. I think they love their 90-year-old guys out there who have been working for 50 straight years. And the whole purist nonsense that you hear all over and over and over, there's still enough of those people around. I'm not saying you said the near future. I mean, in 10 years, maybe these guys, the, the robots are in there when everyone is kind of aged out and more kind of advanced thinkers have kind of taken over the game. But I don't, I can't see this in major leagues for a while. 
I mean, as soon as I get elected commissioner, we're we're putting this in. <laughs> we're not waiting around. We're gonna we're just gonna fire all the umpires and hire new guys to tell us what the robot said. It'll be fine. Um, I don't know because I feel like when you put it in at AAA, you're pretty serious about it being a potential rule change at the major league level. But it does seem like baseball still a decade away yeah. from this being something to actually use. So. I don't know because we could see it. I mean, do you think is it? A, you think it's a one-year thing at AAA, or do you think they put it at AAA and it's just there for a uh, decade? I don't think it's just a one-year thing. I just want real robots in the base pass. It would be fun. That would be hilarious. Robots out there like raising their arm or like saying the save sign. I will say, I don't. Are robots good at avoiding the baseball flying at them? <laughs> that might be the one advantage the human arms have. Well, Although that oh, some those, of them those Boston Dynamic videos with the robots that do obstacle courses, right. get those out there. They can jump up and avoid a ground ball coming at them. Some of the, some of these guys can't avoid it. No, well, yeah, that's true. Some of them can't. They're a little old. All right, coming up next, UNLV got a scary win against San Jose State. They got a big game tonight against San Diego State. They fake Jen Action, or they give it to Jen Action. The left side, Hardman waits for a block, and he gets the 15-10, explodes, dives. The Jet has landed the plane. Touchdown, Kansas City, on an incredible 25-yard jet sweep by McCall, the Jet Hardman. It's the Press Box with Graney and Bischoff on ESPN Las Vegas. All right, two quick things on the Chiefs. Uh, we've completely forgotten that at one point they ran an option with their backup tight end at quarterback. Do you remember that? Yeah. They Wait. ran the option with their backup tight end taking the snap. I thought it was Kelsey. No, no. Nope. That was the backup Gray. Yep. Whoever was it? it was. Yeah, that was that not was Kelsey. Kelsey. Excellent blocker. Right. It was backup. They, they they took their blocking. They took their Derek Carrier of the Raiders and said, we're going to give mm. this guy the ball. And then he's going to pitch it to whoever was it, Jarek McKinnon, I think, was the running yeah, back in on that play. He went to the short side, and he went to McKinnon. Okay. First off, that happened. Second off. Um, well, no one expected it. Yeah. <laughs> Neither did the tight end who was taking the snap. like, me? Uh, also, uh, there's a screenshot here, which you could tell live, too. Tyree Kill, when he scored that touchdown at the end of regulation and gave his little peace sign, he did that to a guy that was two yards ahead of him. And still went by him. Yes, he knew he was going to run past him, even though that guy was ahead of it's it's that's one of the most unbelievable touchdowns you're gonna see. The fact that he ran through the entire defense. It's incredible. The best joke of the well, Twitter joke of the night was you left him too much time. (laughs) Thirteen seconds? Are you crazy? (laughs) All right. UNLV basketball. They play San Diego State tonight, but I do want to go back. They beat San Jose State on Friday, 70-62. to They blew them out in the first half. They kind of went to sleep in the second half a little bit, let San Jose State come back. Got a little interesting, but they end up winning the game by eight. What I'm more curious about, number one, Donovan Williams did not play. Uh, Kevin Kruger did not tell us afterwards what happened, why he was ruled out, because he got ruled out 15 minutes before the game started. Uh, Mick Akers tweeted at me, though, that the broadcast, which I wasn't watching, I was there. The broadcast said he uh, landed on someone's foot in warm-ups. Oh. And that's why he was ruled out. So Ooh. that would sound like he rolled his ankle in warm-ups and they decided we're not going to play. That could be a few here. days. Could be. And they played, you know, or Saturday, Tonight. excuse me, and they've turned around and played today on Monday. So we'll see what Donovan Williams' situation is. Josh Baker, another starter, has now missed two games. Uh 
concussion protocol. He got hit in the head two games ago. Uh, And Marvin Coleman has missed three games due to a non-COVID illness. So that is two starters and one, you know, bench player who probably plays like eight, nine minutes a game. The UNLV did not have against San Jose State. I have a hard time seeing them beat San Diego State if they don't have Donovan Williams and Josh Baker. Yeah, because just the scoring with Donovan Williams. Right. He's just he's the number two scorer. And again, it's one thing to do that against San Jose State, but the way San Diego State defends, yes. if they only have to worry about Bryce Hamilton, I mean, give him 30. Good and luck, then, Bryce Hamilton. You know, or, give right. him, or give him 30 and say, okay, the rest of you can't score, yeah. so you're going to score 58 you know, total. So I don't know what to expect. Kevin Kruger didn't give us an update, and they turned around and left yesterday, so we haven't talked to Kevin Kruger since the end of the San Jose State game. So... We will see. Also, though, unrelated to the actual game, UNLV's student section was the fullest that I have seen it all season. Uh, and honestly, the most it's probably been in three, four seasons, right? It's about 75% full. The student section gets eh, two sections, and it's about 75% full. Before the game on Saturday, literally, we're talking like, 12 students at these games, right? Oh, like nobody. Like there's nobody. not there's not a student section no. at these games. About 75% of it was full. Now, Taco Bell. UNLV had free Taco Bell before the game for students, but they also gave away during the game two spring break trips. So two different students won a free spring break trip to whatever destination they can choose from. They're also giving away custom Nike shoes to every student that attends the last six home games. So that included Saturday's game. So if, if you're a UNLV student and you attended Saturday game and you go to the next five home games you're to finish the year, Nikes. you're getting a free pair of shoes. How much credit does Keith Whitfield get? Keith Whitfield. I mean, I does think does gets... Eric Harper get the new uh, athletic director? Because think... this was basically his first... Yeah initiative of any sort since getting the full-time job. I think job. we should give him a ton of credit. I mean, he, you have to do something to get them out there. What you've been doing in the past, and a lot of it had to do with the team because they haven't been very good in a long time, is maybe why they didn't go. But I give him a lot of credit. He's trying to come up with ways. He's trying to do things creatively to get people in the building and to get students there. So I give the guy a lot of credit. I mean, it, I, 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 I'm I, sorry. Now the Nikes, you have your deal with your shoe company. I don't know how much that would cost them. I'm probably, if, if he's 75% true, full... Probably not everyone's going to the last five games. Probably I don't not. think you're going to lose much on there. Taco Bell, you might have some trade with. I mean, but again, it, that doesn't matter. It doesn't matter how much he's costing him. He's trying to do his best to get people out there. Right. I mean, his first initiative was to get students back yes. to UNLV basketball games. And for one game, they, they did that. Now, they weren't standing and cheering, right? Yeah, they the, have to kind of the be entire taught or down. taught what to do. So I'm curious, how do you incentivize them to actually stand and cheer like a student section? Because that would be, in all seriousness, that would go a long way to sort of hiding the other attendance issues at UNLV games. If you had a student section of a thousand kids or whatever that number is that was there, if they were all standing and cheering throughout the game, wearing wearing costumes, doing crazy stuff, that would go a long way to kind of hide what the rest of the crowd looks like. How far back was the rebellion? Uh, the last time, 2019. I mean, there was a, it wasn't many, but there was, the rebellion existed okay. right before the pandemic. They had a good thing going with the show at San Diego State. They had a good, like, kind of rivalry, I thought, you yes. know, to, like, who's better and comparing each other uh, to, to 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 each student section. That's what you need, man. Yeah. You need stuff like that. You need people in costumes. You need people throwing stuff around. You need people going crazy. That's yeah. what a student section's about. So, it's like the, 
the first step was there at that game. I don't know yeah. how you incentivize him to cheer. I don't know. You'd be like, hey, you got to reach certain decibels to get those Nikes, man. Well, do you have someone <laughs> kind of like the band leader, for lack of a better term, standing in front and getting them on their feet and stuff? The I, band's on the opposite side. No, not the band. Just a leader. Just, oh. so, just someone getting them up yeah. and telling them when to cheer and when to stand. Yeah. I mean, I think they should probably know. You'd but if you're so. saying none of them did, no, then not, maybe they don't. Not one of them. They were all sitting down. Isn't that what the in like the in arena host is sort of supposed to do? I is, mean, specifically to go to the students and be like, "Hey, stand up." I mean, to me, it's got to be it's got to be student led. Like you've got to yes, have a yeah. group of of students that and are I'm like, sure "Hey, there's a lot of students there who know basketball well enough right. to where they could lead it and get them on their feet." Right. Hey, this is what we're doing, guys. Like right. this is our plan. Cheers this or whatever. Is, right. It's got to be student-led. I don't know how you exactly do that from the outside. It's just got to happen. Okay, this is a simple one. D, and then you guys say fence. Ready? (laughs) And hold up the sign. (laughs) So we'll see. Now, last thing I want to mention on UW basketball, Bryce Hamilton. Last two games, 62 points on 20 of 38 shooting. First time in his career he's had back-to-back 30-point games. They came against Air Force and San Jose State, right? The two worst teams, maybe New Mexico's down there, but the two worst teams in the conference. So he's doing, he did it against, you know, bad competition here. But if he can be anywhere close to that efficient this week when they play San Diego State and Colorado State, they might have a chance to pull off one of these upsets. I think they obviously need Donovan Williams, but if they can get that type of Bryce Hamilton or, or close to that type of Bryce Hamilton, they got a shot. I think they're better shots tonight. You think so? I think going to CSU is hard. I think CSU is the best team, even though the, the whole blowout to San Diego State. I watched that game. San Diego State made every shot. It was just one of those days where they won't do they won't do that again the rest of the year. I think CSU is the best team. I think that's a harder game. They have a shot tonight largely because San Diego State's not good offensively. Right. And, yes, they beat Colorado State by 30, but most likely San Diego State is not blowing you They're out. They're not that team. Right. That's no. not likely how they are going to win games. So you've got a shot because there's a decent chance this is a tie game in the final three minutes. Right. And, hey, you win who's the last gonna make, three who's minutes. Who's going to make the yeah, play? You might be the team that wins the game. Actually, fun fact here. Mountain West team to score the most points against San Diego State this year. It's UNLV. They're 55 points. 55? Massive point total. Colorado State only got to 49, and Boise State got to 42. 42. Yeah. It's a massive 55-point outburst by the UNLV running Rebels. That should be. That's like the highlight of the season right there. Man. 55 win tonight? I no, don't think so. I don't think so. I don't think so. I think there'll be some decent offense tonight. Listen, San Diego State scored 62 without either of their two-point guards. They right. got Matt Bradley back. Like they, They should be... They should be fine. They should be solid in this game to actually score some points here. It's my assumption, my assumption anyways, that they'll be good. But it's San Diego State, and they just scored 37 points. So who knows? It is, like, scheduling-wise, it's the fourth game in eight days for UNLV. It's a good chance they're just exhausted playing this game. Right. It's a decent chance that happens, especially if you're down, like last game. Donovan well, especially Williams, if Josh you're down Baker, and they Coleman. start defending you. Right. That's three guards. Players. Right. Right. three guards they were missing. All right, coming up next, Ryan Wallace joins the show. 
I'm attorney Kevin Rowe. Some people don't want to hire a lawyer after a car wreck because they feel sorry for the person who hit them because they think the at-fault driver will actually be the one who has to pay. The truth is, in most cases we handle, the insurance company pays for the at-fault driver's lawyers, court costs, settlement, or verdict. The at-fault driver doesn't pay anything. In court, the jury is never allowed to hear this. So if you're hurt in a wreck, make one call. That's all. Murder and Rowe is the way to go. Call 877 Randy Westbrook, managing attorney. His pants. This isn't the Alex Ovechkin Power Hour. This is the VGK update with Ryan Wallace. Follow him on Twitter at Ryan Hockey Guy. I'm out. Ryan, we need your help decoding a secret message. What does a blue or a light blue jersey mean? Baby blue. Uh, it's still no contact. Really? Why have two no yeah. contact jerseys? Did the red one get like sweaty and not get washed yet? <laughs> Maybe. I don't know. It could be that one's designated for on the road, one's designated for home, but it's still no contact. It's no. still a differentiation jersey. So there you go. That's no fun. We were kind of hoping it meant lower body only. <laughs> of course, of course, they need to have a lower body injury. Meant, <laughs> yeah, well, I was hoping it meant uh, light contact or some type of contact or Jack Eichel's certainly going to play against Buffalo. Uh, but no, it, it doesn't mean any of those things. It, it's still it's still a designated non-contact jersey. How do you feel about Mark Stone not being on this trip? Obviously, he's the captain of this team and really good, but like, is uh, you, you worried about them like somehow losing all four of these and it being bad for the team without Mark Stone? Um, I mean, like when you look at teams, right? Like, I think the concern is that they could lose all four even with Mark Stone in the lineup. Like, that's how good this run of four teams is, Washington, Carolina, Florida, and Tampa. That being said, uh, just because Mark Stone's not on the trip to start, I don't expect that to be something that maybe lingers throughout the trip. The trip, Mark Stone is out with COVID protocol or in COVID protocol. So as soon as he's cleared, I think, to be eligible to return and be with the team, I would imagine that he'll – make the the trip out to wherever the Golden Knights are. So maybe he misses one or two more games, uh, but I don't think that he's going to miss all four. What do you think of the Alec Martinez scar? Yeah, it's big. Um, It it gives you perspective (laughs) on just how bad uh, the injury was. Um, I mean, you knew it was something bad immediately, right? Like when you don't often see Alec Martinez get hurt and go immediately to the bench and immediately to the room. um, And then you don't see him for two and a half months. So, um, the, the scar kind of fit what I imagined it would, but it, it's still pretty unnerving to see. All right, give us a hot take. Who is more important to get back on this trip, Max Pacioretty or Alec Martinez? Ooh, it's um, that's a really tough question um, because I I I think no, it's not that tough. I'm going to go Alec Martinez. <laughs> I think I think the Golden Knights need to defend better, um, and I think they've been better at defending. But it's the stuff around the front of the net. It's it's the ability on the penalty kill to make it automatic. It's really clearing out rebounds if there are any. And I don't think there's anyone that really does that better than Alex Martinez. Obviously, blocking shots, we know what he can do in that department. So, um, for me, it's not so much about the goal scoring for the Golden Knights. I'm not too worried about that. I do think that they have to defend much better than they have over the last month and a half or so, So, especially against these teams. So, Alex Martinez would be my answer. Is that, if can you translate then, because Pete DeBoer this week 
Uh, he didn't use the word soft around the net, but he sure insinuated it. Is that what you got from him in terms of he wants them to be a lot tougher around the net? Yeah, I mean, I think after that Pittsburgh Penguins game, um, you could, I mean, you could see it, right? Like Jason Zucker had what two, three, four opportunities to get a loose puck in front of the net. Not any Golden Knight player touched him, moved him, got in his way. Um, it's it, it just it has to be better. So you know, for me, like it's it, there's a, a degree of luck involved, right? Like if if the goaltender makes a save, the puck's there in the middle of the ice. You you need a little bit of luck for it to fall, kind of where you need it to be, but there is a certain level of compete that you need to have in front of the net. You need to be boxing guys out. You need to be strong on your stick. And the Golden Knights were not that against the Pittsburgh Penguins. They were better against the Montreal Canadiens, but they're going to have to up that game even more on this four-game road trip. So this idea that they're soft in front of the net and they need Alec Martinez back, how, how do you marry that to Robin Leonard's poor numbers over the last month or so? Um, I I think that they are related, but I, at, at the same time, I, I look at Robin Leonard and think that there are some saves that he's got to be making. Like he's a, a career, career like nine fifteen save percentage goalie, and this year he's been hovering right around nine hundred. These are uncharacteristically low numbers for Robin Leonard. Now I'm going to say this, like in the context of the game in big moments, he's come up with some massive saves this year that have allowed the Golden Knights to not only get two points, but maybe get a point in the game that they're not necessarily supposed to win or get a point out of. So I think that there have been moments where he's been really, really good, and then there have been moments when he wasn't particularly sharp. The Montreal game is kind of a time capsule of that. He was not sharp in that game, but without his heroics and overtime, the Golden Knights don't get the extra point. Could he be better? Absolutely. Does he need to be better in the second half? For sure. But if the Golden Knights can kind of cut back on some of the rebound chances that he sees or some of the high danger chances that he sees, his numbers will certainly improve. Are we overreacting to William Carlson with six goals and 13 points at this point? Uh, I don't think so. Um, I mean, you're, you're talking about a guy that, that scored 43 in the NHL, and I know that that's not something that you're going to see every year from William Carlson, but you would expect that as the years get on, and as he's still playing with Jonathan Marshall and Riley Smith and how much those guys down low can dominate a game, that he would have more than six goals this year. Now, he did miss time with injury, so you have to kind of take that into account, too. It's not six goals in 41 games. Um, it's, it's significantly less than that. But you do need more than six goals out of William Carlson to this point. And I think that with Will, he's always been a bit of a streaky goal scorer. So you hope that maybe he gets one or two and he goes on a bit of a run here and improves those numbers over the next two, three weeks. Does that production open the door, you think, to him being traded to make room for Jack Eichel? Um, I, I love these Jack Eichel hypotheticals. <laughs> really Tyler. We're going to give you Certainly every possible can. player over the next two weeks. Are they going to be traded, yes or no? So, I mean, like, from from the aspect of where – where do the Golden Knights have a, an overabundance of players? Down the middle would be the argument, right? Like you've got Chandler Stevenson, William Carlson, Jack Eichel, uh, Nick Waugh, Brett Howden plays center, Keegan Colasar can play center. Um, I mean, you've got a number of different guys. Nolan Patrick can play center. So you, you certainly have an overabundance of center icemen. That being said, I don't like the idea of, moving on from William Carlson, because I think that what you can do once Jack Eichel is healthy in the lineup 
is you can slot William Carlson down the lineup, unpopular opinion, I know, and make his line a true shutdown third line. And if that's the case and you're getting six goals at this point from a shutdown third line William Carlson, you take that all day long because you know Jack Eichel, you know Chandler Stevenson, you know the top two lines are going to be the lion's share of your production. That That's what I would like to see happen, but, I mean, you, you have to free up money somewhere. And it, it makes sense if you are going to free up money, you do it from a position where you have multiple players and multiple options instead of, uh, not as much as you have on the wing. Let's keep it going then. Third in the team in points. Has Riley <laughs> Smith done enough to where you would now pause to trade him when Jack Eichel is now healthy? So the thing on Riley Smith, and I've, I've been pretty consistent with this. I've said it quite a bit. Um, there are some players that just make more sense to move than others. And I think the, the, the biggest argument that I've heard for Riley Smith is he's on an expiring deal that is valuable to teams at the trade deadline and for a Golden Knights hockey club that is up against it, not just this year with the cap, but next year with the cap, if you don't think you can sign Riley Smith to a sweetheart deal, and I don't think that you should be able to, Riley Smith should get paid in the open market. So if that's the case and you can't get that done, then he's essentially a rental that you're losing in the offseason for free when you need to free up money right now and might even be able to get that trade uh, going with an asset coming back, even though you're dealing from a position where you don't have any leverage. So the idea of Riley Smith isn't so much about what he has or hasn't done on the ice. It's about what can the Golden Knights get back in a trade that helps them for the future because you've got to move the money anyway. Um, Riley Smith, you even look at Braden McNabb since he's also on an expiring deal. Like expiring deals to me are the ones that make the most sense. You're going to, since you're going to be without them next year too. But again, I, I think what Riley Smith brings to the table is integral to this team and what they want to do in the playoffs. So you hold on to him and keep him as a pseudo rental and move on from a player with term. I don't know. It's going to be fascinating to see. Uh, Ryan, how about next week? We will give you, we'll go through the roster and you just give us a scale of one to 10 most likely to be traded to make room for Jack Eichel. Um, I, I absolutely hate that. I don't, I don't <laughs> want to do that at all. <laughs> all right, we got to play it. Yeah. Well, he is Ryan Wallace. You can hear him on the VGK Insider Show. Also, pre post and intermission during games. They got four this week starting today, uh, Tuesday and Thursday, Tuesday, Thursday, and Saturday. So there's a lot of Ryan. Uh, thanks for joining us thanks, today, buddy. Ryan. See you. All right, thanks, guys. So there's Ryan Wallace. Can't wait. Get one through ten. Keegan Colasar. <laughs> like a one. <laughs> he doesn't make any money. We got to get. Yeah. We got to put the expensive players out there. And then it's just the only person left on the team to fight is Marsh. So that's true. That's true. Get up Colasar. He's a better fighter than Ryan Reeves. He might be the best fighter in team history. That's what we should do. We should rank best fighters in team, team history. history. Who's three? Is Revo two? I just yes. Unless there's a third that I'm missed forgetting that's could be just the better. Guy. Jared might be onto something. It could be the little guy. He, he, he's a scratcher. Patrick Reddy, scrapper. Patrick Reddy does have like two or three fights as a Golden Knight. I don't think any of them were like eh, good. Yeah, they're uh, they're not memorable. Yeah, I like Hague. I like the scrapper. Has Nick Hague been in some? I don't think anyone ever wants to fight. He's very tall. Yeah, he's, he's very, very tall. big. Reach. Long reach. Why do I feel like Braden McNabb is not in as many fights as Braden McNabb should be in? Yeah, Braden McNabb like puts the, people down right. and puts people against the boards and takes some shots, and he's they don't come after him. Right, but even beyond that, like he's 
not an offensive defenseman, so right. you'd think there'd be a little bit more fighting going on with Braden McNabb, but I don't the last time he had a fight. I'll have to look that up. That'll be fun. All right, coming up next, we had like some of the weirdest stories happen in soccer this weekend. Mahomes over the middle. Cut Tyreek Hill up to 45. Angling right 40. 35. Cheetah. 25. 20. 15. 10. 5. Touchdown. Kansas City. A 64-yard touchdown. Patrick Mahomes to Tyreek Hill. We're back to the press box with Grady and Bischoff. Again, important detail. Tyreek Hill gave his peace sign to a defender that was two yards in front of him on that touchdown. Very important. Still knew he was going by him. Yeah. Also, by rule, should have been taunting. Yeah. That would have been... Can you imagine if that had happened? Would have been funny. Oh. (laughs) I would have thought it was hilarious. I would have enjoyed the chaos there. All right. I have a couple of soccer stories for you because uh, some weird stuff happened in soccer. First off, Brentford and Wolves, Premier League game over the weekend. A game was stopped because a drone was flying over the field. The game was stopped for 20 minutes because they couldn't find who was flying this drone over the field. They had 19 minutes of stoppage time in this half because they had to, they pulled the players off the field because they couldn't identify where this drone was. I feel like this could happen in all of our sports, right? Absolutely. I'm surprised it hasn't happened more. I love I love the picture of players looking up in the air and pointing at it. Like, hey, there it is. John Gruden was ahead of the game. He was the one who saw a helicopter and he went, no, no, no. There's a TV uh, logo on the side of that baby. The, the TV station should have flown a drone over practice the next day. Yeah. Would have been great. So, yeah. So you had one game where there was a drone that was flown over. Also, we had an update. To, if you remember, on Friday, there was a story about uh, an investigation into a bet that was made on a certain player to get a yellow card. It's expected that player is Granite Xhaka of Arsenal. Well, now the Athletic is reporting that there were $420,000 worth of bets placed on a player to get a yellow card in a specific Premier League game. These bets were placed with roughly... 15 minutes left in the game and would have paid out over a million pounds, not dollars, pounds is what we're talking here, would have paid out over a million pounds. The uh, sports book or whatever they call it over there that took this bet didn't actually pay it out. They alerted whoever and said, hey, you guys need to investigate this because we're going to lose a million dollars because somebody (laughs) bet $420,000 on Granite Jocker to get a yellow card with 15 minutes left in the game. We briefly talked about this, but the detail of the bets being placed in game completely throws this off for me. Like, because the the whole investigation is into whether or not this was fixed, right? Whether or not player or referee, right, was going to get the yellow card, was going to give this player a yellow card. Maybe both. Yeah, because somebody was going to bet on it. But the fact that it was, they placed the bet in game is what I. I don't know. I have a hard time comprehending how that would be fixed if you're going to place it with 15 minutes left in the game. I mean, unless it was decided between all parties beforehand. Hey, yeah, don't Which be give them completely stupid. Don't give them a yellow card until the last 10 yeah. minutes because I'm going to bet on it with 15 minutes I mean, to go. 
it just seems so far fetched to me. Like it doesn't seem like a realistic. Scenario. But you think something went on here? I mean, yeah. It's, it's, There's no way there was, something didn't go on here that there he was a tweet that, here. He or she wouldn't bet that much money with in-game wagering. Right. So this was a, it was Arsenal against Leeds, and there was actually a tweet from an account uh, back when the game, the day the game was played. It was like, well, this is weird. There was 420,000 pounds bet on Granite Jocka to get a yellow card with 15 minutes left in the game. So somebody had kind of like noticed it when it happened. But yeah, it's it's just very, I don't know. It's very strange. And by the way, this has not been reported or confirmed, but people have kind of figured out what who the player was, Granite Jocka. The yellow card he got was for time wasting. Like Arsenal was given a free kick and he just stood there okay. and just looked around basically until which, the ref came to give him a yellow card. Which he knew would happen. Right, exactly. You get yellow cards for time yeah. wasting. Teams do that when they're winning late in a game to try to run the clock out and win the sure. game. Arsenal was up four to one. You don't usually waste time when you're up by three right. goals. It's normally, uh, we're up by a goal. Let's get this over with. Maybe two. But so there is a, it's, it is a little bit of a strange yellow card. But again, I just have I can't get around the fact that it was placed dirt like did they, again did he go to him and say listen if we're winning by multiple goals place a bet on me in the 15 with 15 minutes to go and I'll take a yellow card like it's just bizarre I just I want to imagine that he's just out there looking around in the crowd going I need if there's a yellow card I'm supposed to waste time where is that there's the yellow card wait I'm already doing it yeah I <laughs> I just I don't know I don't quite Comprehend how it could be. Could fixed have the referee involved in this? Could have everyone? Yes. Could you could have right. everyone involved in this? But it just it's a lot of money. And also, four hundred twenty thousand dollars worth of bets, a million dollar payout. Granite Jock is making a, like five times that a year. Like he's making that like in a month. So yeah, this would be more like a referee move, right? What does he need this for? right? But it's I don't know. It's a strange. He story. got hard up with the wrong people. <laughs> It's a strange story that they're investigating, and we'll see. Um, also, one last soccer story. Christian Eriksen, if you remember Christian Eriksen, played for Denmark. He's the one that essentially died on the field yeah, at yeah. the Euros last summer. Uh, he is expected to sign with Brentford. Brentford currently 14th place in the Premier League. Eriksen has not played since that incident, but he's expected to sign with the Premier League team for the rest of this season. He was quoted uh, earlier this month saying he wants to play in the World Cup uh, when that comes up in the uh, winter here of 2022. He wants to play in the World Cup. A lot of hurdles he's got to clear in terms of proving, hey, he can play soccer again with obviously a heart condition that nearly killed him on the field the last time he played soccer. But I am excited to see Christian Eriksen back, and if he can be healthy, it's going to be a tremendous story.